On October 21, 2010, the National Archives and Records Administration finally released box number one out of a total of 67 boxes of the sealed U.S. Senate records about the activities of non-diplomatic representatives of foreign governments active in the United States. The formerly classified documents reveal the original rationale for extensive Senate Foreign Relations Committee investigations. It heavily focused on investigating Israel's lobby. The subsequent early 1960s Senate investigation looked into other foreign agents acting on behalf of countries such as the Dominican Republic, as well as top U.S. lobbying firms, public relations consultants, and foreign lobbying groups, which were all ordered to submit records under the threat of subpoena to the Senate Foreign Relations Committee researchers. But a declassified March 17, 1961, three-page memorandum outlines why the Senate Foreign Relations Committee focused so intensely on the Jewish Agency, the American Zionist Council, and the American Israel Public Affairs Committee, then functioning as the AZC Umbrella Lobbying Divisions Lobbying and Public Relations Group, before incorporating after the 1962 Farah Order. The secret memo read, In recent years, there's been an increasing number of incidents involving attempts by foreign governments or their agents to influence the conduct of American foreign policy by techniques outside normal diplomatic channels. There have been occasions when representatives of other governments have been privately accused of engaging in covert activities within the United States and elsewhere for the purpose of influencing United States policy. The Levon Affair The Levon Affair referenced in the secret memo is the 1954 Israeli false flag terrorist bombing campaign codenamed Operation Susanna, directed against U.S. and other targets in Egypt. It aimed to reverse official U.S. policy of pressuring British withdrawals to revert control of the Suez Canal to Egypt's government. Israel's agents, disguised as Arabs, to set off the bombs, were discovered, arrested, and criminally prosecuted in Egypt when their explosives malfunctioned, leading to a crisis in the Israeli government and relations with the United States. Israeli Minister of Defense Pinas Levan, 1904-1976, was deemed responsible and forced to resign over the scandal. Levan later moved on to serving on the board of the Israeli government-funded Jewish Agency, the very same organization providing startup funding to the American-Israel Public Affairs Committee. Operatives willing to launch false flag terror attacks to influence United States foreign policy were part of the network that established APAC in America. The Senate Foreign Relations Committee investigative charter mentioned the Levon affair twice in three pages, while expressing extreme caution about the implications of investigating such sensitive matters. It read, There would undoubtedly, even with care, be instances which would lead to foreign governmental protests, to violent attacks, by special groups in the United States. The declassified Senate memo suggested three avenues for Senate investigation. One, public receipt of testimony from the Department of Justice and Department of State. Two, 
public receipt of testimony from selected law and public relations firms. 3. Executive, perhaps public, receipt of testimony on the Levon affair and similar gray area activities. The Senate record of the May 23 and August 1, 1963 hearings on Israel lobbying outlined covert activities, but many were heavily redacted at the insistence of the Jewish agency and its allies in Congress. No testimony on the Levon affair or any other false flag attacks was ever given during the investigation. To this day, the Eisenhower Presidential Library has never released records about the attacks or even uncovered any. In 2022, the Eisenhower Presidential Library is still claiming it has not even begun to process 168,000 pages of Treasury Secretary Fred Scribner's papers. These papers surely include his 1959 warning to Zionist groups about what they needed to do to avoid criminal charges and problems with the IRS. In the year 2012, yet another trove of documents was declassified and released, this time by the FBI. They reveal APAC founder Isaiah Kennan's early interactions with the Mossad Israeli Intelligence Agency, which led the FBI to conclude he was more involved in a massive covert operation for Israel's government than simply public relations and lobbying. During 1949, Kennan drafted a confidential strategy report about how the Israeli Ministry of Foreign Affairs could implement Israeli policy initiatives and public relations most effectively in the United States. This Kennan report described how the New York Israel Office of Information processed Israeli government information into news releases. The Israeli Office of Information New York, quote, disseminates documents, unquote, into the U.S. news stream for the general public. This is known because the FBI was closely monitoring Cannon's activities. Early references in FBI files noted Israel Office of Information and APAC founder Kennan had become a member of the Communist Party in 1937 while working as a newspaper man at the Plain Dealer in Cleveland, though he was never the subject of an investigation. The FBI noticed Kennan because he interacted with so many U.S. and foreign nationals who were targets of espionage, foreign counterintelligence, and domestic security investigations such as Abraham Feinberg, Israeli diplomats, and assorted Mossad and other Israeli intelligence officers. Kennan's movements appear as cross-references in hundreds of pages of FBI documents. One Israel Office of Information Public Relations Board meeting held in the Israeli Consulate General in New York on May 9, 1949, pushed U.S. media initiatives aimed at boosting Israel's economy. The Israel Office of Information wanted to, quote, place a series of pieces in from 8 to 12 top magazines, unquote, including Reader's Digest and Cosmopolitan by, quote, making funds available for important propaganda programs, unquote. The New York IOI focused on, quote, UN organizations, Jewish, and the press emanating from New York, unquote, while the IOI Washington office covered, quote, other embassies, Congress, Washington Press, and the National Press Club, unquote, according to the FBI. 
During a July 18, 1949 meeting, Israeli consul Reuven Daphne informed Isaiah Cannon and others that Foreign Minister Moshe Sheret, in coordination with Mossad founder Reuven Shiloah and Israeli ambassador to the United States Eliahu Eloth, had recently conducted a strategy session about public relations and, quote, thrashed out, unquote, everything except for the question of funding. Kennan reported that his New York Israel Office of Information was ready to go. The FBI description characterizes the Israel Office of Information as functioning more like a Mossad intelligence outpost for collection and foreign propaganda distribution than a press office. IOI New York was responsible for receiving information cables from Israel. The FBI report read, quote, one member of the staff spent much of the day decoding and stenciling, unquote, the cables. Israel Office of Information Offices established secure communications crisscrossing the U.S. Daphne, quote, reported that his, Cannon's, office and the Washington Israel Office of Information worked out a code so that classified messages could be translated, unquote. The FBI noted in September 1949 that Cannon had initiated, quote, the distribution of a weekly news service sent to Anglo-Jewish newspapers, Jewish organizations, and individuals, unquote. The FBI also noted Kennan's strategy of having the Israel lobby media apparatus pay for favorable coverage of Israel. Quote, the report further states that frequent conferences were held with representatives of the Jewish agencies and the American Zionist Council to discuss public relations policies and techniques. It states how 104 national Jewish agencies in New York receive releases and constantly ask for news editorial advice, feature material, and photographs, and had cooperated in producing some of the more important publications by buying and distributing large quantities, unquote. The FBI described Cannon's core Israel Office of Information functions as, quote, he collects intelligence, meeting press attaches of other embassies, publicity men, and of national political parties, Congress and government officials. Washington is a city of personal contact. The Washington office is a goodwill and intelligence outpost for the government. It is not an office of information in the sense of production and distribution, unquote. Like APAC of today, the Israel Office of Information was highly attentive to Israeli military objectives. In January 1950, the Israel Office of Information strategized how to effectively quash U.S. arms sales to Arab states. Israel Office of Information Press Relations Board Coordinator Moshe Karen, quote, had discussed with Jewish organizations the serious situation arising out of Egypt receiving arms, that the balance of power in the Middle East was completely changed by this move, and it would be advisable to contact the major newspapers, unquote. Kennan agreed with the foreign ministry and Mossad strategy, but differed on tactics. Kennan highlighted the advantages of a more indirect approach, suggesting that action instead be initiated at the UN Security Council or that an explosive news story be leaked out that could overturn U.S. arms sale policy in a way not traceable back to the Israel Office of Information. Kennan thought it might be dangerous to directly fight U.S. Cold War objectives 
of buying friends in the Middle East through arms sales. According to Kennan, it, quote, would be difficult to get support from the papers since the question of armaments was part of the East-West complications. The FBI report frankly characterized Kennan's exchange as an example of, quote, efforts being made by the Israelis to change the policies of the United States State Department, unquote. It is the conclusion of this podcast that APAC is the expansion and continuation of this Israeli foreign influence operation. This lack of access to historical records and more blatant cover-ups, such as the unjustifiably delayed release of the Justice Department records on its attempts to regulate the Israel lobby under Farah, have aided the American-Israel Public Affairs Committee. In 2022, APAC has been relentlessly deploying dark money to take out U.S. politicians APAC believes won't be sufficiently deferential to the Israeli government. American news media, while quick to propagate Israel lobby talking points about Iran and other topics, has failed to discuss even basic history about APAC's origins. Hopefully, this series provides some insight into how APAC grew to become the most damaging foreign influence operation ever unleashed against America. Israel spent $61 million making an American lobby. APAC has always been evasive about its origin story for very good reasons. According to its founder, Isaiah L. Cannon, quote, the lobby for Israel, known as the American Israel Public Affairs Committee since 1959, came into existence in 1951. It was established at that time because Israel needed American economic assistance. In other words, APAC was a response to the needs of a foreign country, not any U.S. charitable purpose. Because Americans are suspicious of foreign meddling, APAC does everything it can to blend in. Today, APAC claims it is simply trying to advance the U.S.-Israel special relationship, rather than only serving Israel's government. That framing has worked on most Americans, especially American politicians who receive APAC's coordinated political campaign contributions. Even the Israel lobby's most prominent academic critics, Stephen Waltz and John Mearsheimer, maintained after publication of their book, The Israel Lobby and U.S. Foreign Policy, that although APAC played a key role in disastrous policies such as the U.S. invasion of Iraq, quote, it's as American as apple pie, unquote. But history reveals APAC and the Israel Lobby's startup funding was certainly not American. We know this because the May 23, 1963 Senate Foreign Relations Committee hearing compelled financial disclosures about how Israel's massive public relations and lobbying campaigns in the U.S. were funded. The numbers were entered into the record. The key exhibits appear in Item 8, Requests for a Year-by-Year -year Accounting of All Foreign Payments to the American Zionist Council from January 1 of 1955 to December 31 of 1962, which begins on page 1403 and runs through page 1422 of the Senate record. 
Adjusted for inflation, the total amount of foreign funding was $61 million. A great deal of the funding was earmarked to Isaiah L. Cannon, who, as has been noted previously, worked for the Israeli Ministry of Foreign Affairs and the Jewish Agency before setting up the Kennan Committee and subsequently the American-Israel Public Affairs Committee lobbying division of the American Zionist Council before APAC entirely replaced the AZC in 1963. Confirmation that the funds were not American as apple pie also came in the form of testimony from the Jewish Agency's longtime executive Gottlieb Hammer, who clarified that the funding for lobbying and public relations injected into the U.S. from Israel was Quote, from other Jewish communities throughout the free world, as well as income it has from Israel itself, unquote. The foreign direction and funding led the Department of Justice to order the American Zionist Council to register as an Israeli foreign agent on November 21, 1962. However, Senate investigators and the Department of Justice were at that time unaware of just how closely linked Israel's government was to the Jewish agency. The Justice Department subsequently compelled the American section to file the Jewish agency's covenant with the Israeli government as part of its 1969 Foreign Agents Registration Act statement. The forced filing of the covenant in 1969 revealed the quasi-governmental powers of the Jewish agency, which predated the formation of a country as a government-in-waiting propaganda and arms-smuggling network to independently raise tax-preferential funds, encourage capital investments in the state of Israel, coordinate Jewish organizations in Israel, establish new institutions as needed, and review government legislation before it was submitted to the Knesset. The massive amount of foreign funding did not entirely escape establishment media scrutiny, which mostly avoided reporting on the Senate hearings investigating the Israel lobby and the 1962 Foreign Agents Registration Act order that the AZC register. On May 19, 1970, reporter Moshe Lawrence of the National Observer, a defunct Dow Jones publication, wrote, In 1963, the Senate Foreign Relations Committee investigated the Jewish agency and uncovered a conduit organization run by an organization called the American Zionist Council. Over an eight-year period, this council received more than $5 million from the Jewish agency to create a favorable public opinion in this country for Israeli government policies. The Senate investigation closed down the conduit, but the extensive propaganda activities still go on. Until 1963, APAC was housed within an Israel lobby superstructure consisting of the Zionist Organization of America, Hadassah, the Women's Zionist Organization of America, the Labor Zionist Movement, in total a dozen organizations. The idea from Israel's objective, as documented here, was to have a U.S. landing pad for foreign cash infusions for lobbying and direction from the Israeli government. In 2022, APEC's superstructure is largely the same, though very much expanded. The ZOA and Hadassah are still there, along with many other organizations that make up the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. In APEC's bylaws, the chairperson of each Conference of Presidents member organization has an automatic seat on the APEC Board of Directors. 
The chief officer of each Conference of Presidents member organization is invited to serve as a member of APAC's executive committee. Unlike the dozen organizations that formed the AZC version of the Israel Lobby, there are today 102 well-funded member and adjunct organizations. APAC likely believes it is now too embedded in the establishment to ever again become a target of Justice Department regulation under FARA. In 1975, APAC used classified information attempting to thwart a U.S. missile sale to Jordan on Israel's behalf. In 1984, APAC teamed up with the Israeli Minister of Economics in a joint economic espionage operation in an effort to pass a trade deal giving Israel unrestricted export rights to America. In 2005, APAC worked to leak a classified Defense Department document in a bid to provoke a U.S. attack on Iran. There were no meaningful consequences for any of these harmful actions. APAC may evade warranted attention from the hapless Department of Justice, but it can no longer escape its history as an Israeli foreign influence operation. The new generations of politicians injected into elected office to serve Israel are only there because of timely and abundant Israeli funding into what it hoped would eventually become an American lobby for Israel in the 1940s through 1960s. Today, APAC truly is as American as apple pie, but only in the sense that apple pie is a foreign import. Apple pie was conceived in England with influences from France, the Netherlands, and the Ottoman Empire. The Americas did not even have pastry-suitable apples until Europeans arrived. If you would like to review citations for all of the content of this podcast, and even reproductions of formerly classified documents, purchase a copy of the paperback version of the book, How Israel Made APAC, the most harmful foreign influence operation in America. Or request one of a limited number of free paperback copies of How Israel Made APAC by emailing your name and mailing address to info at irmep.com.